Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel, Mark chapter 4. I'll share with you again these words. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. This is the word of our God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. I like storms. Always have. Just the other day, my son George and I were reminiscing about our old parsonage in Columbus. It was built in 1885, big old brick parsonage, and it had this gigantic covered front porch, which was really neat because you could go out and sit on that front porch and listen to the thunderstorms and watch them come in and listen to the patter of the rain. It was something that we often enjoyed doing together uh, as a family. A number of years ago, we went to visit some dear friends in Pueblo West, Colorado, which has kind of a desert southwest sort of a climate to it. And I vividly remember one evening, and this was years ago, sitting on my friend's back patio and watching as a thunderstorm formed up over the mountains and then came slowly across the wide expanse of the desert. Big, dark, purple clouds and inside flashing lightning. It was one of the most beautiful things that I have ever seen. Now, of course, not all storms are quite as pleasant. Uh, Many of them can cause a great deal of damage, even the loss of life. And every one of them is a reminder of how small we are and how little we control. And then, of course, there's the fact that not all the storms that we face are the weather kind. There are the storms of trial and trouble that come into our lives, and we face many of them in this broken and sin-filled world. How comforting it is to know this morning that our Lord Jesus is master of both and uses both for our good. This morning we listen as Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of all, masters the storms. He says, quiet, be still. On Lake Galilee 2,000 years ago, he stilled a storm with simply a few words from his mouth. And today, he stills the storms in our lives, the storms of this world, by his almighty word. Jesus had had a a very busy day. When didn't he have a busy day, of course? But this day in particular seemed to be especially busy. Preaching and teaching, helping and healing. And at the end of the day, Jesus was just wiped out. So he told his disciples, let's get away from the crowds. Let's take the boat and go to the other side of the lake. They set off. Jesus went to the back of the boat and immediately he fell asleep. By the way, short side note here, Jesus clearly is true man, isn't he? Because he became hungry and thirsty and tired just like we do. And this was no act that he was putting on. Jesus really wrapped himself in our frail human flesh. Well, the crossing didn't go so well. The Sea of Galilee, you see, is notorious for its quick and violent storms. That lake is about 700 feet below sea level. 30 miles to the northeast is Mount Hermon, which is 9,200 feet above sea level. And what happens is the cool air from the top of Hermon makes its way down to the lake, and it mixes with the warm, humid, heavy air above that lake. And what it produces are some pretty nasty storms. And such was the case on this night. In fact, that storm was so violent that even Jesus' disciples, some of whom were very experienced fishermen who had grown up on this very lake, 
they were terrified for their lives. And when they came and woke Jesus up, it was fear and frustration that poured from their mouths. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, they didn't wake him up because they just needed an extra pair of hands to bail. They woke him up because they knew he could do something. They had seen his almighty power before. They knew that he could help in this situation. But at the same time, they're hurt. They seem genuinely hurt that Jesus had not already acted on their behalf. And their very quick conclusion then was, well, he doesn't care about us. He doesn't love us anymore. They couldn't have been more wrong. They were right about one thing, though. Jesus could help, and he did. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The English here is a little bit too soft. The Greek of the New Testament is much stronger. In the Greek, what Jesus said to the storm is something more like, Hey, knock it off. Put a sock in it. And the storm simply had to listen to what Jesus said. The storm had to listen to the Lord and Creator of all. The wind stopped blowing, the waves stopped crashing. And as you can imagine, that surface of the lake became just as calm as it could be. Time for another side note. Jesus clearly is true God, isn't he? His power over that storm to simply speak and have it stop shows that he is true God. And of course, these two side notes, Jesus is man, Jesus is God, are anything but side notes. They are absolutely the heart and core of our faith. They answer the question posed a little bit later by Jesus' disciples, who is this? And the answer they give takes away all fear, takes away the terror. Jesus is none other than the long-promised and long-awaited Savior. He's the promised Messiah. He's God and man in one person, a completely unique individual individual come down to save all sinners. Why God, man? Why is that so important? Well, because it enabled Jesus to do what he needed to do to save us. His humanity enabled him to live under God's law in our place and to die on the cross as our substitute. And his divinity empowered him to keep that law flawlessly in our place as God demands. And it also gave infinite value to the sacrifice that he made. None other than God and man died on the cross of Calvary. And that means that sacrifice pays for the sins of all people of all time, including yours, including mine. This account clearly shows us once again that our Lord Jesus is the God-man, the exact Savior that we need him to be, and that is for our comfort. But there's so much more for us to learn from this account. Jesus stilled that storm, the God-man, by the power of his word. He still is stilling storms today by the power of his word. As we said, Jesus had had a hard day. The disciples, I think, in a sense, were having an even harder night. As the storm grew in intensity, so did their fear. They just weren't thinking straight anymore. They spoke words of accusation almost to Jesus. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Well, Jesus rebuked the storm, and then he rebuked his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Again, the Greek here is a little bit stronger than the English. Jesus basically called his disciples cowards. Fear was gripping their hearts. Their faith on the sea that night had left a lot to be desired. 
So let's talk about faith for a second. Is Jesus saying here that these disciples no longer had any faith in him, no longer any saving faith? Is he saying that they had on that lake become unbelievers, that they no longer trusted in him as the promised Messiah? In a word, no. They still believed in Jesus as their Savior. They still followed him. Where their faith was struggling, where it was weak, was in applying the specific promises that Jesus had given them. Promises of his love and his care and his protection. And some very specific promises that he had given these disciples. I'll give you one example. Uh, Earlier on in this same gospel, Jesus had promised them that they were going to carry out a mission in his name. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. That promise alone should have assured them that they were not going to occupy watery graves that evening because they still had a job to do. They still needed to go out and fish for people. But in the intensity of that storm, they were not convinced. At that moment, as the waves were breaking over the sides of the boat, those waves were speaking more strongly to them and to their hearts than even the words of their Lord and Savior. And how like these men we so often are. Sometimes looking at them and hearing about them, it's just like looking into the mirror. We too often become distracted by the circumstances of life, by the difficulties that come into our lives. And so we're just not hearing our Savior's voice. And we we pray to him and we take his lack of immediate action as just sleepy indifference. He doesn't really care. Sometimes we're so focused on our problems, which are right there in our face, that we forget about the power and the promises of our Lord and Savior. It it came to me that it's kind of like going to a museum to view a beautiful piece of art, Mona Lisa. And you're standing there wanting to look at this beautiful piece of art, but then there's a fly, and it just will not leave you alone. It's in your face, it's flying in your mouth, it's in your ear, it is just the most annoying fly ever. And so you stand there, and you swat at the fly, and pretty soon you've completely forgotten about that beautiful painting hanging right in front of you. So often our problems do that. They distract us from our Lord's promises. And so we cry out to him in fear and frustration. Lord, don't you care? We cry out to him impatiently, don't we? Thank God that he's not so impatient with us. Just think about this for a moment. If the creator of the world can still a storm simply by the power of his word, quiet, be still, do you think he can help you and me with the problems and challenges that we face in life. Of course he can. In fact, that's what the psalmist wrote about. He said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who called the entire universe into existence simply by the power of his almighty word has the power to help us in every time of need. And there is no shortage of such times. There is no shortage of storms, of trial, of trouble in this life. We have health problems from the common cold to chronic pain to the big sea of cancer. We have relationship problems, broken marriages and failing friendships, challenging children, difficult co-workers. We have psychological problems, fear and anxiety, panic attacks, depression, dementia. We have financial problems. 
We have a, a, a mailbox full of bills and crushing debt and the loss of a job. We have, of course, spiritual problems as well. Doubt of our God's promises. A pet sin that you just can't seem to shake. Guilt that just will not go away. My friends, these storms, these problems often pound on us relentlessly. How are we going to avoid sinking right down into the depths? How will our faith ever survive? Jesus once told a story that I think answers those questions. It's about a house in a storm. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. We need a foundation, don't we? We need a rock to cling to in the storm. And we have one. The word of our God. The promises of our Savior Jesus. Now, we don't have time this morning to review all of the many hundreds of beautiful, comforting promises that our gracious and merciful God has given to us in his word. We don't have time to do that this morning, but I'd like to hit some of the highlights. Jesus once said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Sometimes when we go to our Lord in prayer, it may seem like he's not listening, like maybe he has fallen asleep. He hasn't. Let me assure you, he's wide awake and he's listening and he promises to hear and answer every prayer, every cry for his help and to give us the answer that is best for us, which is for our good. He promises, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's hard to be alone. It's so good to have a companion, someone to listen to you when you're confused, someone to hold your hand when you're hurting, somebody to embrace you during a time of of deep grief. Jesus is that companion, and he promises to never leave us or forsake us. He is with us always. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter how difficult things get in life, no matter how much pain or sorrow enter our days, God isn't going to let anything cut us off from his forgiving love for us in Christ our Savior. And in that very same chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, we hear these familiar words. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God never promises that the storms won't come, and he never promises to take away all the pain that they may cause in our lives. But he does promise that he will cause all of them to work out for our ultimate and eternal good. And let's remember something about the God who makes all of these promises and so many more. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God is not in the habit of telling fibs or exaggerating. It goes against his very nature to do so. He keeps every promise he has ever made to us. They are all yes in Christ. So, when the storms of life hit, and they will hit, 
Flee to the word. Cling to his promises. Rejoice and rely on his grace and mercy. Find calm in the word of Christ. Just a little while ago, we sang these familiar and beautiful words. Be still and know that I am God. The God who stilled the storm on Galilee is still speaking to us today in his word and stilling the storms. He's saying, quiet, be still. Remember, my friends, his word has power. His word brings calm as nothing else can. To him alone be all the glory. Amen.